Football. My name is Dave. I'm here with Scott. We're part of the Matty Ice Media Network. Go to MattyIceMedia.com. Find other great podcasts and merch for our shows and the others. Also, Thursday night, we'll be live streaming for the first round of the draft. Me, Cleve, and Matty Ice will be joining us for sure. Uh, we might even get an appearance by Mr. Scott here. Scott, how are you doing today? I'm, I'm good. I'm excited about Thursday. I'm, I'm, I'm happy for it to be here. Yes. And uh, how how much are you going to drink and just melt in the couch on Sunday when it's all over? No drinking. Um, but I will definitely be just stepping away from the whole the whole draft concept sort of thing. Um, it's funny, though, because it's because it, you always like you know, you always do that turning the page kind of thing. And, and then you start looking at. Like you always do it. Like, all right, I'm not going to think about this for a while, and then you find yourself. Well, let's go watch. Uh, let's go watch Caleb Williams' you know 2022 film. What kind of stuff? And it's like, it's just kind of a thing. But um, it gets you know just the whole thing about talking and arguing about the same kind of stuff. <clears throat> you know, I mean this this class is what it is. Um, it it has its strengths and its weaknesses, but like you know. I'm tired of, I'm tired of, uh, the, just all of it, you know, like I'm ready for it to be here. Okay. So there's so much unknown still. And I think that's part of the problem. Yes. So this class in general, um, has strengths, but I think it's strong at some of the least at some of the less valuable positions. I think it's strong at running back and it's strong at tight end. Um, I think it's decent on the offensive line, but I think most classes are decent on the offensive line. Uh, but as we're going to get into tonight, wide receiver is not a strength of this class, and that's a change from the last couple of years. In quarterback, while it's stronger than last year, it has some picks going high. I'm not sure it's super strong this year either. What do you think about that? I don't think there's a lot of depth. Uh, I mean, I think there's a few players that you could look at and say, I, you know, I'd like the idea of of drafting that guy and let, and just seeing how it plays out over a few years. Like, like Dorian Thompson Robinson from UCLA is, is a player I think of when I, when I think about that, like, you know, he, he's a player you could commit to as a, as a prospect later in the draft. And, and, you know, let's see where it goes. Sure. But this is not, this is not a show where we talk about the Memphis showboats. So I'm not sure that, uh, I'm just saying it, it, it's, <laughs> there's a, there's a big five. And then after that, um, who knows? The receiver thing is interesting because there is no, there, you know, there's no uh, Jamar Chase in this class. Um, no, but there are the, the so for what it lacks in round one, and I think there are a couple players in round one where I would, yeah, I think they're really good players in round one, just not at the top. But I think it it makes up for it, um, say in rounds three and four range where. I think you're going to get production out of players that you're going to take later in the draft. They're just not going to be premium players. So that's kind of, you know, we've been, we got, we have gotten spoiled. Um, yes. <laughs> so, you know, that's it for the wide receiver. group. So real quick, before we get into the prospects here, Rogers to the jets is official. They swap first round picks this year, 13 and 15. Um, this is, I mean, to me, this has been baked in. I've been drafting since, the week before the Super Bowl for best ball this coming year. And I've been stacking up Rodgers with the Jets players this entire time. Dinner works well with Elijah Moore, who got traded to Cleveland. But yeah, I've got plenty of 
Aaron Rodgers to Garrett Wilson and Tyler Conklin and Brees Hall and all that. So does this, is there anything new to say about this now that it's official or is this just what we knew it was going to be? And that's that. Um, I mean, I, I, this is kind of, kind of what I think everybody, everyone expected it to be. I, I think it's interesting that they flopped that, you know, uh, picks this year. So now green Bay has picked 13 mm-hmm. and, one of the guys we're going to talk about tonight, I think would make a ton of sense for them at 13. If he gets past 12, um, that's Jackson Smith and Jigba. But yes. like, um, you know, I don't know that it changes all that much. I'm mean, obviously if you're, if, if you've been hitting Rogers and Garrett Wilson, you have to be pretty happy about Garrett Wilson's prospects of, you know, like what it could look like for him for a couple of years. But, you know, um, I don't know. Well, uh, Garrett, Wil- Garrett Wilson, this is at, we'll actually transition. We'll go, we'll go to wide receiver first. Um, because if we don't, we will spend the entire hour talking about the quarterbacks. So we'll yes, go to wide receiver first. And Garrett Wilson is a good place to start. Uh, one rookie of the year last year, wide receiver out of Ohio State. I think, and I think you think as well, that Chris Olave should have run Rookie of the Year last year. Also wide receiver out of Ohio State. So, yeah. last, year, so last year, Ohio State sends two wide receivers to the pros. They're both picks. Wilson was 10th and Olave was 11th, I think. I think went right back to back. Yeah. They're both instant hits. Two years ago, um, Olave's uh, senior season... Wilson's junior season, Jackson Smith and Jigbo was a true sophomore, and he led that Ohio State team with 95 catches, 1,600 yards. He was a monster. He was an absolute monster. He did some of that in games where one or the other was missing, but they were not missing for the Michigan game that year. While Michigan destroyed Ohio State that year with Aiden Hutchinson and Hassan Haskins, Smith and Jigba still had like 15 catches in that game. Yeah, he's a really, really good player. He like, is fantastic. He is. It's just, you know, I mean, he. So anytime a player misses an entire season, like he essentially missed the ent- entire season with, with the hamstring this year, right? So it's like, I think it was a hamstring. Yes, um, it was. And it's just like out of sight, out of mind kind of thing. I think people forget how good he was, you know, with those other guys in the lineup, but that's a, it's a bit of a dual-edged sword, like, some people are going to look at that and forget about it while others are going to look at it and say, well, everybody else was occupied by trying to cover Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. So naturally it opens up, you know, the middle of the field for a player like Smith and Jigba. Um, I think there's a little bit of both there. I think, I think he's a much better player than, you know, I mean, I would, I would say that, you know, starting at pick 10 or 11 range, that's where he should go. I don't know that he will go there, but I think that's what his talent is. You know, I, I think. I just, go ahead. I was going to say I think that everybody is way underselling just how good he is. Yeah, and I don't, I don't, I don't get it now because we've seen this exact profile just absolutely destroy in a few different instances to various levels. So he is six foot one, one hundred and ninety six pounds. Compared to some of the other wide receivers in this draft, he is massive. Yes, um, that's the other thing. In this draft, there's a lot of small yes. slot types. Yes. And so 
he played almost exclusively in the slot in college, but he played with Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. Who's to say that if he played this year, that he's out on the outside with Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Abuka is in the slot, right? So like, it's, it's, a, it's a great way to look at it. And it's like, you know, looking at even LSU a couple of years ago, Justin mm-hmm. Jefferson was forced to play out of the slot there. Yes. That did not mean that he was only a slot receiver at the NFL level. Right. So, so I don't think Smith and Jigba is only a slot receiver, period. I think it has to kind of resolve itself. Yes. And so if you look at players, wide receiver, so he's 6'1", 196, runs a four five two forty. Now, for the type of player they're talking about, a, a smooth operating slot-only type player, there's a few different ways to look at him. He's either a giant Julian Edelman, he is Keenan Allen, or he's Cooper Cup, who was seen as slot only coming in as well. Yeah. Good route runner. Now, Cooper Cup's much slower. He ran like a four or six five or something. And he's a lot right. bigger too, but I, he is bigger. But yes. But then all of a sudden, they started using Cup every around the formation with a good quarterback, and he had the best wide receiver season of all time. He's not a burner. He's nowhere near the athlete of Jamar Chase, who also missed his entire junior year because uh, he sat out for COVID. Um, yeah. You know, but Cooper Cup is unstoppable. Another good comp, I think, for him is Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams only ran like a 4-6 coming out of school. Now, of course, he went to a smaller school, so he played on the outside. But I think it's a reasonable thing if Devontae Adams played at a bigger school, he would have been more in the slot in college as well. Yeah. And I see no reason why Jackson Smith and Jigba can't be a, a top five wide receiver fantasy wise and maybe real life wise relatively soon, if not like as a rookie. So it's interesting because you have you have uh we mentioned a bunch of guys there, right? Like Chase goes really early. Mm-hmm. Cooper Cup goes third round. Yeah, and then um Adams goes in round two. Yep. So it's like, where do you value this guy? I think I mean I think you nailed it. There's a there's a so the way I see him is he's almost bulletproof. Like if he doesn't work out outside, he's an elite slot uh, wide receiver, elite. Mm-hmm. And the idea that that's undervalued in today's game is nonsense. It's you play three all the time, right? Most teams play three all the time, and some teams run their offense through their slot receiver. The Rams do it. The Lions do it with Amon Ra St. Brown. So Chargers, me, yes. And so to me, like Amon Ra is a little bit where I think. Like, where would Amon Ra go if he was in, in this year's draft, knowing what we knew about? Second round. Well, knowing, knowing what we know. Knowing what we know. Knowing what we know, he goes to the top five. So, because, <laughs> because of how because of his ability to get open yeah. and his route running nuance and all those things. Right. To me, uh, Jackson Smith, Smith and Jigba is like that, where, where I, I don't think you have to worry so much about him as a player. I know people want to fret about, the the long speed and all these things and it's like he's plenty fast enough yes he is plenty fast enough he's a great route runner he's as natural a catcher of the football as there is there is in the draft mm-hmm. um i think uh, you know while i don't think he's a like a rare elite athlete i think he's so smooth and fluid and he creates enough separation running routes that he does it doesn't matter so to me i just to me he's just a bulletproof prospect in a class full of total unknowns um, he should be a very early pick, but I don't think he will be. 
Yeah. So yeah, this that's kind of where I'm going with this is that, and just so everybody knows, just so it's clear, I am way higher than market on JSN. I think that this guy is the real deal. I comped him to his best comp is Keenan Allen, but with the upside to the Cooper Cup, Devontae Adams, and maybe Amon Ross St. Brown is even better comp than Keenan Allen is. And if that's the case, like he should go third to the Cardinals. You know what I mean? Like there's he should go ahead of the edge rushers. He should he should go that high. Like I think he's that level of prospect at the wide receiver position, even though he's not the same level of prospect as like four guys last year. Once you look at him with the draft as a whole, he should be the first, in my opinion, the first non-quarterback off the board. Yeah. So I mean, whether or not he fits with the with the four or five or six or whatever it was last year doesn't matter because those guys aren't in this year's draft. Correct. So it's like, you know, once we, he gets to the NFL, then we can start talking about where you stack him up with, you know, uh, other players, depending on where he, he does end up going. But as a prospect in this class, there are very few guys who are locks, locks where you just know what they are. Like Peter Skaronsky is one of those players where you just kind of know what he is. Mm-hmm. He's going to be a really good football player for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't know that there's a bunch of like even even the, the elite guys that we're talking about, the, the edge rushers at the top. I wouldn't lock. I wouldn't lock those guys. I mean, I'm not. I don't think Will Anderson is a lock to be an elite player for a long. Uh, uh-uh. uh he's not. Um, Tyree Wilson has some some. There's some questions. He, you know, he's not done it all that long. Uh, he has to develop as a player. But you know, this is this is the interesting part of this class is there. There are only a few of. There's only a few really, uh, like what I would consider elite players. And then there's a group of players that should work out. And to me, Jackson Smith and Jigba is one of those guys who, while not being an elite player, is a good enough player that he should be a very early pick, but he won't be. Uh, just because the way just the way the NFL does things, if he, if he ran 4-3, we would be talking about him very differently. Yeah, but if he ran 4-3, he would be Jamar Chase. Maybe. But he's like the same size, a little bit smaller, but like the same yeah. size. Like, but he might already be Jamar Chase. He can't. He he can't be because he doesn't have the same log speed. Jamar Chase is a threat to score from anywhere on the field. Smith and Jigs was a threat to score from sixty yards out. But the thing is, Devonte Adams is going to score a ninety-yard touchdown either, and it doesn't matter. Like that's, it doesn't that's matter. What I'm saying is, do, nobody thinks that Devonte Adams can't play because he's deficient long speed wise. Nobody thinks right. that, right? Because because he's not. And Jackson Smith and Jig was plenty fast enough to be a threat from with his long speed because he's a really efficient route runner. Yeah, he'll so be that, open. <laughs> yeah, and it's and he catches the ball. There's no issues with him catching the other ones in this class. There's a lot of guys who struggle and are just unnatural catching the ball. Yeah, but you know we can move on from him. I think we both are. You know, I think he'll be in the ten to fifteen range. Um, I do think that maybe. This is an interesting thing with the Packers and, and and that trade is I could see them thinking if we get to 13, we get a player like Jackson Smith and Jigba and maybe, you know, 15, we might not get him kind of, I don't know. Um, I know that seems like a stretch to be thinking like that, but he'd be a really nice piece to add to a very empty room in Green Bay. They're going to yeah. be a bad team. <laughs> they might, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I I mean, they got Christian Watson, who's seems pretty good. 
Um, I thought Romeo Dobbs looked fine until, you know, he got hurt. Yeah. I, I'd rather have their wide receiver room than like the Giants. Alex, um, no offense, buddy, but yeah, like they, they do need to fill out that room a little bit, you know, for yeah. sure. But uh, still, you need more. Yeah. You need if you can't have enough edge rushers and you can't have enough pass catchers. He's he is a premium guy. I hope the Packers uh, take a wide receiver in the first round, just not him, because uh, the hell with the Packers. Um, Fair just enough. because because they never did when they had Rodgers, so the second they get rid of him, they take a receiver in the first round. Like it would brilliant. just be so good. That's- that's kind of why I said that because it's like that it would be. I mean, I think it would set the you know the Twitter world ablaze that yeah. Oh, it's a shot that they finally took one in round one the year he leaves. You know, kind yep. of thing. Whatever. Um, but they're going to they're going to take a guard out of South Dakota Tech. So, um, good school. Yep. Uh, so my number two wide receiver on the board, and and I have to be clear here, I don't really like any other receiver in this class as a first round pick besides JSN. Now there's going to be other first round picks and there should be because their position is so valuable, but this is not like last year where it was Wilson, Olave, London, Jameis Williams, Traylon Burks, right? Like this is not, this is not that class. So I think there should be four going in the first round, but JSN is the only one where I'm really like, that's a dude for sure. Um, Number two on my list is Jordan Addison out of USC. 511, 173 pounds, ran a 449 at the combine. So, Scott, my first question for you on Addison, just real quick, is that 449 legit or did he just mess up his run? Was he hurt? Was there something to be because that's slow at that size? Uh, I mean, I think if you look at like the USC Pro Day and the rain they had and all the all the stuff that went on there, I think you can you can give him a little bit of no, this was at the combine. He ran he ran four four nine at the combine. Yeah, in Indy. Then I don't think there's any issues with his speed. And I four four nine is plenty fast enough. It is it's at that size. Yes, his his so any issue he has really in his game is is essentially um, about his size. It's not a it's not about his speed at all. It's about can he get off the line of scrimmage if if defensive backs are physical with him. He will not – he has a small catch radius, so he's not going to do well, in, and he's not going to hold up in a contested catch game kind of thing. But when you're looking at um, – you know, I mean, the other thing with him too is I, people talk about the, the drop in production, but there was a significant drop in targets too. Yes, yeah. Significant. And I wrote, so I have that note here that – so he won the Bolitnikoff in 2021 uh, as a sophomore at Pitt playing with Kenny Pickett. Um, and he got Kenny Pickett drafted in the first round. Um, yeah. uh, so he transfers to the USC, replaces with Caleb Williams, who won the 2022 Heisman Trophy, and will be the first overall pick next year, assuming that team needs a quarterback. If they don't, the first overall pick will be Marvin Harrison Jr., um, and they won't trade it. However, the Lincoln Riley offense spreads the ball around, plays a ton of wide receivers, like the old yeah. Steve Spurrier Florida teams. So the fact that his numbers drop way down, I don't really – have too much of an issue with my issue is this as his game translates to the nfl 173 is very small it is small and 449 is not particularly fast for a wide receiver or a defensive back it's not slow like i would not race this guy for my life he would crush like he's fast yeah however 
when you compare him to like, say, DK Metcalf, who ran a 4-3-3 at 228 pounds. You know, DK Metcalf was a second round pick, but that was like four years ago. DK Metcalf goes in the top 10 if they do it all like now, right? If they if they value this position correctly now. So that's a bit of an unfair comparison. But part of what makes DK Metcalf so good is he has the combination of size and speed. Addison is lacking the size. Yep. And he doesn't have elite speed for his position or against his opponents. To me, that greatly limits his upside. Um, that's four. fair. That's fair. I mean, like, I think when you look at 173 pounds, four, four, nine doesn't feel like fast for 173 pounds. It it I, feels like he should be, he, he should be a faster player. Yes. And, you, and you know, who, like, wait, so there's two players that I thought to comp him to. And one was unfair once I looked into it and that's Tyler Lockett. See, that's exactly who I would comp him to. But he's smaller and slower. <laughs> so, you know who I actually found to comp him to? Even though he's much smaller, much smaller, but was a good comp athletically, and I think playing style, it's Calvin Ridley. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, when I see him, I, I think uh, I think he can play outside and inside. He's, he's a really dy- – he's dynamic um, with his feet, and he runs – he runs just amazing routes. Uh, you know, I mean, that's it's he is he's an interesting one. Like, I I would have no issues with with anybody buying him into him middle to back of round one at all. Just because I think when you look at him at, at Pittsburgh, I think that's what you need to look at. You know, I mean, I'm not saying throw away the film from last year, but the Pittsburgh stuff, he was dominant. And you you can't I mean you can't watch that and think okay this guy's slow, or he's small, you know what I mean he just was open all the time, and that's his game he's open all the time so really yes. fine it's a good cop yeah, it's fine yeah so I don't think there's any question that Jordan Addison is way better at football than most college defensive backs like that, that that's clear what I'm saying is that I don't I think that there's a real possibility Jordan Addison cannot get open against the top. 35% of NFL defensive backs. Like he's erased immediately and maybe down the top half of defensive backs because he's lacking either size or speed. It's like the opposite of a great tight end. Like Kelsey's too big for corners and too fast for linebackers. Yeah. Addison's just small and compared to those covering him, not that fast. So that's where I think he can, he you, you can save him by playing him as, as a slot receiver where he would tear up cornerbacks. Because they tend to be a little bigger or smaller, some slot, some slot. I shouldn't say smaller, shorter. Um, but they're, you know, the slot corner position is is uh, a player that can hold up against the run. They need to have, they need to be a little bulkier. Uh, I, I mean, I think he, I think he's fine from a from a standpoint of in the NFL, he's going to work as an as an inside outside player. Um, and if and if he struggles outside because, like you're saying, you know, it goes against dynamic athletes who once they get their hands on you, you're in trouble. I, I think you can give him a two way go. Give him give him some, you know, give him some help throwing him inside where you can save him. So, so I want to give reliable. His athletic profile is, is limited because he's so slight. Yes. Uh, but so is Calvin Ridley's. So and he's not even that slight. Um, 
so I want to give some context here because I realized that I've, I've never explicitly made this point, and that is that for prognosticating into the future for running backs, opportunity and draft capital are the two most important factors. How high are you drafted and how many carries can you get? For wide receiver, it's draft capital again and talent, right? Because if you can get open, you can get open, you can get the ball. And there's yep. more of them on the field at any given time, right? Yeah, yeah. So for the running backs, last week, I was, you know, it's more like, does this guy, we're about, like, where does Charbonnet land? Yeah. Does he get to an opportunity, right? I don't even bring that up with Jordan Addison because they're going to get their opportunities. But if they're not good enough, that's where it becomes a problem. Being on the field as a wide receiver doesn't mean anything. Jalen Guyton's played like 90% of snaps for the Chargers for three years. He's out there running wind sprints, right? Yeah, so it's a matter of do you believe in his talent? And I think as a, as a route runner, he is pretty special as a route runner. Yes. But I but I but there is that lingering, can he hold up physically? So that's if, the question. If I could take Jordan Addison's skills and like throw them into Meikle Harbin's body, now we're cooking. Yeah. Um, yes. My number three wide receiver, Zay Flowers out of Boston College. I, this is not the type of receiver I like. I just put him on here because he's going to get the draft capital. 5'9", yeah. 182, runs a 4'4", 240. Again, that's fast, and it's fine. But at 5'9", 182, I'd like to see down to the 4'3s. But he is very shifty. He plays bigger than his size. He's great with the ball in his hands afterwards, so I'm not concerned about his speed and the way I'm about Addison's. Also because he's 10 pounds heavier. Yeah, He is, however, a four-year player which is generally a major red flag. The COVID stuff changes that a little bit until until the 2020 year is out of that window that yeah. will make that not as big of a red flag. But I, I just I, – I can see why teams like him. But, again, I see lots of reasons why his ceiling is very potentially limited. Yeah, I mean, that's that's it with all these guys. After, after Jackson Smith and Jigba and, – and to me, I think Addison is fine – um, all of these guys have issues inside their game that prevent them from being, uh, you know, rock stars at the NFL level. But all of them have something that makes them interesting. Like, like Flowers, to me, he plays super frenetic um, in a good way. I don't know mm -hmm. if that makes sense. But, like, the yes. energy that he plays with, and that stems from his uh, both competitiveness and his confidence about the things that he does, it stands out. Like to me, he he is one of the more confident players around. Um, it's easy to see it, and I think that with him, you can see him work all over the field. At all, you know, short, intermediate, deep, all that stuff. He gets open all, you know, at all three levels. He's really smooth, um, and he's got a lot of twitch in the way he moves. So I mean I think he can I think he could be deployed all over the place. It's just again it's the same thing. Like he's five nine and one hundred and eighty pounds. You know, uh, is he a player who's going to get forced inside? Maybe, but I would trust him as a slot receiver because of the way he plays and the physicality, the way he plays, like Golden Tate. Like, I mean, think about that that comp. I don't know how much you've seen of Flowers play, but yeah, the, he the way Tate played and the the arrogance and the cockiness that he played with is is a flowers to a T. It really is. Yes, like, but Golden Tate's much bigger. 
I don't know how big Golden Tate was, but Golden Tate, he was like six foot one ninety, wasn't he? He was like the same as like Garrett Wilson. I have no idea because he was he was small in his day, but receivers are getting smaller. So like yeah, compared to like yeah. compared to like Marvin Jones, he was tiny. But yeah, but I mean, you know, I'd rather have. I'd rather have a a guy who's you know maybe a few pounds lighter but and three three inches shorter. I, I see. I don't think that's bigger. I just think that's taller. You know, I get what you're saying, but yeah, you know, we're and, talking about eight pounds. And uh, Zay Flowers doesn't have the greatest vertical, but it's not bad. It's thirty five and a half inches, so like yeah, he, he can jump. He can jump somewhat. The cop I had for him is Elijah Moore. And athletically, they test pretty similarly. Elijah Moore did test better, and Elijah Moore is significantly faster. So Elijah Moore is 178 pounds, but ran a 4.35. Yeah. So that and that's the difference that matters. Once you start getting that low, that that seven tenths matters. Oh yeah, you go for seven hundreds. Four four two is super fast. Four three five is lightning. Like yes, it's a huge difference. Yeah, yeah. But like yeah. the gap between four three five and four four two was much bigger than four four two and four four nine. Yes. Um, uh, Alex is saying Wandale Robinson for the comp, and uh, that's coming up later, Alex. Um, Elijah Moore, however, was a much better prospect to me than Zay Fowlers for a couple of reasons. One, he was a three-year player. Two, he broke as a true freshman with D.K. Metcalf and A.J. Brown on the team, whereas Zay Fowlers went to Boston College, where he did have a 46% dominator rating, which is nuts. That's like... Devontae Adams' best game is Zay Fowler's college career, <laughs> right? That is insane. Like, you can't take that from him. His production profile is undeniable. It's yeah. clear this dude can ball. Like, there's no question about that. Yeah. But, again, we're looking at a first-round wide receiver pick, 5'9", 182, four-year player. Like, if he was in last year's class, he's a third-round pick, is what I'm saying. He's and not. He's in this year's class. right. But that's why I'm concerned about just prognosticating for him going forward, right? Yeah, yeah. Where do I think he'll get picked? I think he'll get picked in the high 20s. I think he'll get picked like 27. I think right, yeah. right. However, when thinking about how he's going to be going forward, will when we look at it as a whole, should he have been worth that pick? Probably not. Is this what I'm saying here? Maybe, but in this class, you know, um, at that point in the draft, he's probably going to look pretty appealing. <laughs> yes, it's not a great class. Yeah, although my bank account really like it if somebody reached on Daylon Henley, the linebacker out of Washington State. I got 20 to 1 on him to be the first linebacker taken. So he could easily be. He's as, uh, yeah. All the other ones are kind of like Drew Sanders. I've heard round one for sure for him. Yeah. But only because of as a, as a pass rusher, not because he's a traditional linebacker type. Yeah. And then there, you know, there's Jack Campbell, who's probably bigger than. I mean, he's bigger than most of the pass rushers in this class. Well, he's certainly bigger do. than most of the wide receivers. I, it's like, I, what do you do with? The, I don't. I don't know. Iowa linebackers, whatever. Um, no, I mean, I like Flowers. I think that uh, I, again, just like with some of these other guys, great route runner, all that stuff, twitchy, all those things. Will he have to get shoved inside because of because of the size being a problem? Um, I think with him in particular, and there's another one we're going to talk about. Uh, the way they compete, and it is a huge, huge thing uh, when it comes to scouting these guys. Defensive backs and wide receivers, their compete level will tell you everything you need to know. Bro, Flowers you're, you're, competes. 
you're, you're stealing my segue. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> Number four on my list is Quentin Johnston <laughs> from, right. from, from TCU. Now, Quentin Johnston has a few things going for him. One, he's taller than I am, <laughs> which you can't say for a lot of these guys. Most he of is them are six, not. Yeah. Uh, he is 6'3", 208 pounds. 208 pounds is not giant for a wide receiver. Chase Claypool's 238. Metcalf is 233. T. Higgins is 216, and he doesn't look that, like, huge, right? Yeah, yeah. But in this class, this is, like, the highest rated, like, looks like a wide receiver guy at 6'3", 208. 4'5", 240. At that size, 4'5", 2 is getting it done. Very good athlete. Also has a 40-and-a-half-inch vertical. I mean, this guy looks the part. As they say, getting off the bus, this is your wide receiver. Just don't However, have to change directions. Yes, he has uh one other big one other uh big skill, and that is Yak. When he gets the ball in his hands, he gets going quick. And not just when DJ Turner takes a terrible angle and loses the game for Michigan. I yeah. mean, like, I just mean like in general, Quentin Johnston can go once he gets the ball in his hands. He's a threat from anywhere on the field. Yeah, with his size and speed. However, Quentin Johnson cannot change directions, and despite being six three, having a forty inch vert is terrible in contested catch situations. It's because he can't catch. He's super unnatural catching the football. Like he's a body catcher. He does not use his hands well. I don't know that that's so. It's like we've talked about. There's just people talk about this for a long time. Like you draft, you draft this guy in round one, you pay him a bunch of money, and then you think he's going to go out and catch a hundred footballs, you know, a day with his jugs machine. Not so much. So, you know, the idea that he looks as unnatural as he does catching the football. Um, and then being a, a guy who's got a huge catch radius, right. But absolutely cannot do it. Just doesn't just fails over and over and over in contested catch situations. Mm-hmm. It's almost like, well, it doesn't matter that he's that big with that big of a frame because he absolutely doesn't use it. He doesn't play that way. I, I completely agree. And so to me, when I watch him play, this used to be a compliment, but now because it's a drawback, it's not. I'm getting big Chase Claypool energy. From- well, I, yeah. I mean, I think that's fair. I think that he is a build up speed guy. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, you love the height, weight, speed stuff, but the inconsistencies in the way in which he catches the ball and also the way he runs routes inconsistently, uh, not always doing a good job of using his speed to separate. Mm-hmm. It's, it, you know, I mean, I think with TCU, you saw a lot of scheme stuff for him, manufactured stuff for him. Um, he made things happen when, when Dugan would get outside the pocket kind of stuff. But, you know, I just – I don't think he's – to me, I see a guy who really struggles to deal with physicality both in the short part of the field and down the field. He does not – one thing that drives me nuts about him is that when he does get chances down the field, he doesn't stack defensive backs well. So he allows them to stay in position to make plays. And because he's a body catcher, it, it, it makes it worse. It complicates it. Because he's allowed them to stay draped on him, and now he's catching the ball where they can punch it out, yes. instead of catching it away from away from them. So I think he's got to, he's got a lot to work on. He, obviously, you like the height, weight, speed stuff, 
some of the stuff, some of the changing direction stuff, you're never going to change. But I, I mean, he he does need to refine his abilities uh, catching the ball with his hands. And I just, I don't trust that. So here's, here's. I, I, I like the way you have him ranked because um, I don't, I don't know that I would value him as a round one guy. I don't know if I would. I wouldn't draft Quentin Johnston before round three if I was running a team. He's it makes him basically off my board if I was a GM. Yeah. yeah. Um. Now part of this is that I presume I'd have my job next year. I'd rather look at next year's class for somebody else. But here's the thing. I comped him to Claypool. You said that's fair. Quentin Johnston's RAS score is at 8.68 out of 10, which is good. Yeah. Claypool 9.98. Yes. He was Claypool is, he is two inches taller, 30 pounds heavier, and a full tenth of a second faster in his 40. Chase yeah, Claypool, Claypool is like a Calvin Johnson. far better yeah. athletic prospect than Quentin Johnston, but they have the same drawback. Yes. I don't want anything to do with that. Chase Claypool should be like the man, and he's not because he's not physical despite being so big. Quentin Johnson is less big, less fast, and still not physical. I don't want anything to do with this guy. I made a yeah. bet he'll be the first receiver taken. I got him at a uh, thirty to one, but but it wouldn't be me. Would yeah, not be it me. Be me either. I, I just, with the Claypool thing, it's the same thing. Like, what is the what's the point of being that big if you if you play super passive? If you play super small, what's the point? You know, like I don't get it. Um, he does. I mean, you know, with Johnston, it's it's why I mentioned the competitiveness stuff because with him. I think he is lacking some of that, some of the stuff that Zay Flowers has, and the next guy that we're going to talk about really has. Uh, I wish I wish he was more competitive. I wish he played with more fire. Uh, he doesn't. Let's move on. Yeah. So I was going to skip over Josh Downs, but you made it sound like you wanted to talk about him. Um, I love Josh Downs's game. I do. Okay. So this so this will be this will be very quick. Yes. Josh Downs is 5'9, 171, ran a 44840. He yep. has all the same problems that Addison has without anywhere near the level of production, which is not to say Josh Downs is unproductive. Had a young breakout age, has a decent production profile, did not win the Bolitnikoff. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, like, he did not get his quarterback drafted in the first round, although Drake May will go in the first round next year. Um, it's but same how old like in the fifth or whatever. I just he's he's got all Addison's drawbacks without without um anywhere near the same level of production. I think Josh Downs can be a very good slot receiver, but yeah. he cannot play outside. He no. is stuck in the slot, and unlike a big slot like JSN, who's a six foot one ninety six at five nine one seventy one. You're you're not playing a ton of snaps, right? You're on the field situationally, and therefore, I don't think he's worth the a pick where he's going to get picked. If that makes sense, it does make sense. Um, the things that stand out as a positive for him, I mean, all those things are absolutes. Like he is tiny, uh, he is going to get smothered if he plays outside. So the physicality is is it overwhelms him. You can see it. But when he plays inside, I love watching him the compete his compete level like uh the way he gets after it it's fun to watch um he is super dynamic he's sudden he's got all that stuff he's savvy in the way he runs routes he'll alter his stride 
um, both to slow and uh, quicken the tempo in which he runs. Um, so you combine all that stuff, and it, it's obvious he has an understanding of how to get open and, and what he's doing. And then you look at how how just how quick he is creating separation into and out of his breaks. Uh, and the other part, it's, this is the part that stands out to me. And, and Jalen Waddle did this. Um, it's the physicality in which he plays with for a smaller player. When the ball is in the air, it's his. He that's just his mind. It just it, it's like that's what his mindset is. So for us, for us, it's like he's, you know how like he, like a small dog kind of barks all the time and acts like it's the biggest dog around. That's mm-hmm. what he's like. Like he doesn't know he's a small dog. He thinks he's a big dog. But yes, it's, it's just his vibe. But like, there's he's also just, he's in, but, it's just interesting. But there's also a reason why Michael Vick never owned small dogs because the mindset can only go so far. So and that's and so. True. Yeah, and so here's and so here's the thing. Um, which uh by the way, I'm glad he got arrested and went to jail. Nobody should fight dogs, it's awful. Um uh and your dog, by the way, way too cute. She's huge. <laughs> She's 120 pounds. Good luck with her. Uh <laughs> she weighs as much as Josh Downs. <laughs> A little bit. <laughs> um so like we keep seeing the same pattern. These these small wide receivers get good production in college because of their skills or yep. their size as much of a, as a drawback in the NFL. There's like a certain size threshold you have to meet to be a top, top wide receiver just because you have to be athletic enough because everybody else is too. Yeah. And very rarely are these short wide receivers, except for like Tyreek who is blazing fast. Sure. It's different because he's so fast. Right. Downs isn't that fast. Addison no. isn't that fast. No. Flowers isn't that fast. None of these guys meet the, the size threshold that you need. And so, I mean, past drafts are littered with undersized wide receivers with good production profiles because they were so skilled that college DBs couldn't keep up with them or whatever that can't yeah. do it in the pros to the same level. And if this class had Olave, Wilson, London in it, these guys are being pushed way back down down the board for that reason. That's why for me, these guys are just off my board, even though I think Josh Downs, I'm with you. I think he'll be a pretty decent slot receiver. But we're looking yeah. at like we're looking at like twitchy Tyler Boyd as a ceiling outcome. And that's not a second round pick for me as a ceiling outcome. I I, I mean I agree with you that in a perfect world it's not, but like this is what we have. You know, so Give me, give me a random tackle. I'll figure out receiver later. <laughs> like, Fine. you know, with 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 these guys specifically in this class. That's why I think this is a bad class. Like, I think the class is worse. The sum of the parts is worse than the parts. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, yeah. Right? Collectively, I just don't like this class, even though I think individually the players can be okay. Yeah. All right. Um, some of the other guys, because there's so many wide receivers, I figure post-draft we'll talk about based on their landing spot once you get draft capital. Like, I like Marvin Mims. I hate Jalen Hyatt. But if Hyatt goes first round to the Bills, I'm going to love him. Like, we'll wait to see Sure, what we get for that. Yes, a lot of that is dependent on where they go. And and when they go, even more yeah. than where. Because yeah. draft capital means opportunity. So, Yes, I would not have taken Wondell Robinson in the second round, but he did go in the second round, so he got opportunity before he got hurt. He was playing because he went in the second round. Yep. Um, I would not take Jahan Dotson in the first round, but 
Jonathan Mingo might be that guy this year that goes earlier than people think, and he's big, and he can play outside. And just but he, he sucks. I know, but that's the <laughs> you're saying it. If he gets, if he gets yes. drafted in round two and gets the opportunity to yeah. develop, then you're looking at something, and, and he's big enough and fast enough that he does some things well enough. He just he hasn't been productive yeah. at all. Yeah. Um, okay, the quarterback position. The most important position in the game. Yeah. yeah. Maybe in any game. Yes. Um, to me, there are four quarterbacks that are going to go in the first round for sure. There might be five. There should only be three. Okay. So yes. I'm going to guess. Should I, can I guess this or should I not do that? You can guess. What, what order do you think I have the quarterbacks ranked? This is my rankings. Is that how I think they're going to go? What order do you think I have them ranked? I would say that you have Stroud one, Young two, Richardson three, uh, Hooker four, and Levis five. No, I put Levis in front of Hooker, but um, he's younger and has two ACLs. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I have Bryce Young number one, Anthony Richardson number two, CJ Stroud number three. Okay. So Bryce Young, Alabama, five ten, two oh four. No. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. That's, yes. A, that's probably a good 16 pounds to 16 to 18 pounds of water. Yeah. Yeah. He is not 204 pounds. He is slightly bigger than Zay Flowers. <laughs> yes. He is a small high school point guard. Yes. Size. Um. So 2021 Heisman winner, prolific passing stats. Production just can't be. Yes. Yeah. Can, just impervious just perfect production right yep um if he was 63230 he would be the best quarterback prospect since andrew luck i think that is absolutely true yes i really do yes if, if just everything everything that he's done if you just put him in a 6 foot 3 what whatever you said body 230 yeah, yeah. yes yes and it's possible well i'm not going to say that but yeah it, i mean he would be it's no i'll say it it's possible chicago might have stayed at one and taking him just because of how good a prospect he is. That would have been a mistake, but it's possible they could have done that. Um, however, Justin Fields is 6'4", 227. If Bryce Young was 6'4", 227, um, yeah. They, 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 and they would have gotten a lot more in this trade. They probably would have traded out and gotten more for him. They, I think they would have. I, I, just, I think yeah. that his the things that he does as a quarterback, as a passer, as a thrower yeah. – Uh, it's yeah, he's awesome. The size is a red flag, but not so much that I don't think that he shouldn't go first overall to most teams. Um, to give you an idea of how small he is, he is consistent. He is noticeably smaller than Kyler Murray. Yeah. Like there's a picture of them standing next to each other and like Bryce Young looks smaller than Kyler. He is. Yes. Yeah, and Kyler, I mean, Kyler Murray's like, isn't he around 210 pounds in that range? Yes, yes. At 5'10 range? Yeah, 5'11. Yeah, so, I mean, you, we're talking about a guy who's relatively the same height, but 20 pounds lighter. Mm-hmm. And I know that everybody would point at the, he weighed in at 204, so that's what we got to go by. But it's like, no, he played in the, you know, high 170s to mid 180s range. Um like a hundred, you know, yeah, I mean, he did. He was, 
that's where he is. So yeah, he is significantly smaller than Kyler Murray. Yeah. But you know, the things that he does, I mean, so that's the only thing is size. That's it. But everything else he does is, is he does at a pretty rare level. I could see him throwing a lot of interceptions <laughs> given the way that he plays. Like he he plays to me, his game looked very similar in college to what Brett Favre looked like in the NFL. Yeah. And Brett Favre threw more interceptions than anybody in history. Yeah. Um, and I feel like Bryce Young could throw a lot of interceptions um, coming into the league, just getting used to it, getting the feel for it. I don't think he'll stay that way forever. Like, I think he'll bring the number yeah. down. But if he throws 31 picks as a, as a first-year player, I wouldn't be shocked. <laughs> I would be. Just because of uh, the cerebral nature at which he plays and the and the way he – where he goes with the football, how quickly he goes with the football. But I, he's going to struggle. He's yeah. going to have issues. Yeah. They all do. Yeah. So aside from his size, Bryce Young is a great quarterback prospect. He's expected to go number one overall. I can't really knock it. He's not who I would take number one overall. But, it again – if he was five inches and 30 pounds heavier, he'd be like a, a knockout prospect. So I can't knock the fact that he's going to go first overall. Yeah. My number two quarterback, Anthony Richardson. Number two on my list, number one in our hearts. This dude is the best athlete as a quarterback prospect in history. Yeah. Anthony Richardson. So Cam Newton has a relative athletic score, a RAS score of 9.99 out of 10, which is pretty good. Richardson That's has a 10. Right Richardson has a 10. So we were talking about these shrimpy wide receivers. 5'9", 175, running 445, 449, and you're like, That's fast enough or whatever. Anthony Richardson is 6'4", 244, ran a 4'4", 3, and didn't even run in a straight line. He did not. Um, <laughs> he should have ran again because I think he yes. would have cracked 4'4". Four, four. I think, I think he, he would have. Guy. But, you know, hey, good enough. Uh, there's, there's not enough positive things that you can say about him athletically, so I think we should just skip it. Like, he is a ridiculous rare athlete, the likes of which – uh, Cam Newton came close to, but it's the other stuff where people question. Um, I mean, I, I cracked this this joke to a bunch of my my friends earlier in the early in the process when I was telling them what I was like. I you know I thought Richardson was pretty awesome the entire season. You did can confirm you were way out yes. front of that. Yeah, and and it was like I was getting such pushback, and it's like, okay, uh, I'm going to give you a two-word scouting report on Anthony Richardson, black quarterback. I know that sounds ridiculous, but it's like, that's it, that's it, and 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 his everything that he does, um, like the way he 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 deals with pressure and how good he is in the pocket, uh. He doesn't want to run. I mean, there are times when he needs to run. He will, but he's trying to make throws. You know, I obviously there's misses and, and this the the short area throws that where he misses are ugly, but the deep accuracy is ridiculous. Um, the stuff that you can't really teach, like the the uh, dealing with pressure and, and being unfazed by it, 
He's got his his ability to process information very quickly. He's got he gets through progressions. He does it all the time on you know watching him play. Uh, Florida's offense wasn't specifically quarterback friendly. They've forced him to throw the ball deep down the field a lot to bad receivers, a lot of layups. You know, they, I mean, they just, they made it hard on him. So when you look at the numbers, uh, you know, some of it, we just have to sort of, you know, and then, you know, it was his first year as a starter and, you know, um, first year quarterbacks tend to struggle in college. Like, the list mm-hmm. of, of quarterbacks who were sub 60% passers in their first year starting is a who's who of studs. Like yeah. Joe Burrow fits there. He was sub 60. Matt Stafford. Um, I want to say Andrew Luck was. I could be wrong about him. But um, but Stafford and Luck would have started as true freshmen, not as juniors. So that's a huge difference too. Well, Richardson started as a – he. I mean, as a redshirt sophomore. Still his third year on campus. Yes. Yes. But still like Burrow did not Burrow had to transfer to go yeah. play somewhere. So yeah. his first year at LSU was his third year, you know, outside of high school and he struggled. He was like a 56, whatever it was. So yeah. it's just, it's a long list of really, really good NFL quarterbacks who struggle in their first year. So, you know, it's okay for Richardson to be where he is completion percentage wise. There's a lot of drops in there. There's a lot of throwaways in there. Um, I'm not excusing his accuracy because there are moments when his accuracy is not great, especially the short stuff where he, where he will miss. He gets, it's in, it's kind of tied to his feet where he'll just, yeah, the footwork doesn't matter so much. I'm just going to, I'm just going to rip this throw where he just needs to settle in and and just, you know, mechanically be sound. But the, but when you see him throw a, throw a ball deep down the field where he's really got to set up his base it and he's very accurate to me, that, that matters. It matters a lot. Um, we could talk forever about Richardson. I think I think he's much more advanced as a player than given credit for. Um, and to, I, I I'm super excited to see what his career looks like. Here's how I describe Anthony Richardson, and I want to be clear that I think this is a good thing. Once you combine these things, Anthony Richardson is throws like drew lock and it runs like derrick henry yeah and and a drew lock level quarterback that runs like derrick henry is a long time nfl starter right the reason drew lock can't stick isn't because he can't throw deep it's because he struggles short and intermediate and has no like scramble in his game really yeah and i don't know that there's a lot of discipline in his game either you know what I mean? Like, right. yeah, he's he's accurate down the field, but he's also cocky enough to think that I can put the ball wherever I want to put it all the time. Right. And right. and like you're saying, there's not a lot of athleticism to, to escape and and right. make plays out of outside the structure when things but, break down. But Drew Lock has it has an elite deep ball, deep arm, but really not much else. Yes, it's pretty. Right. But if he could run like Derrick Henry, <laughs> he would be starting, right? He would, you yes. Could, you, you could tell me that Anthony Richardson will never be a better passer than Zach Wilson. I'd still be like, first overall, I can make this work. <laughs> like, I know. Right? Yeah. Just, just, and that's, and, I mean, that's what I'm saying here. Like, 
because the athleticism is so crazy and the running ability is so crazy with the way the league is now, like you can make that work. And the thing is, Richardson is going to be a better passer than Lockin Zach Wilson. Yeah. Because most of quarterbacks will be, right? Like he's going to be better than that. Even if he, what if he ends up being Ryan Tannehill as a passer? You know what I mean? Like, what yes. if he ends up just being just plainly slightly below average as a passer? And he runs like Derrick Henry. He's going to win two MVPs. I mean, that's the thing is that he doesn't need his ceiling as a passer doesn't need to become like a right. top five NFL passer for him to right. be ridiculously productive. And for that to mean that his his team wins games. Right. So we can't we shouldn't look at this from a fantasy standpoint. We need we need to like how does this does work in terms of winning football games at the well, NFL if, level? If he's not winning games, he won't he won't get to keep playing. So right. So to me, it's kind of implied, right? When I'm saying he's being successful, he's got to be winning games. Like only, only Archie Manning can keep losing games to keep their job. <laughs> like, right, you, but like you know, we look at Justin Fields from last year, and 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 everybody wants to talk about, you know, just how amazing he was as a player. And it's like take out the running and the fantasy components of things, and there are still issues in his inside his game, right? That's yeah, what but- I'm saying. Yeah, so, but he played with like maybe the worst roster in the league, especially after they traded with Roquan Smith. It's it's possible that, that that made that makes some sense. Like you can see the DJ Moore, they draft offensive tackle, like sign a couple of defensive players. You can see them winning seven games next year pretty easily. Like you can see, you can see it going there now. If Richardson goes to so. the right, just, we'll see. But yeah, I mean Richardson's got that that kind of stuff. Like yes, like. Like it's a, you made a great point, and and it's something I really hadn't considered. Is all right, he becomes an average passer. He should still be the first pick. <laughs> yes, yes. Moving on. Let's if, you know. Okay, this is the last example I'm going to use. As a passer, everything, everything, the the long ball, the touchdowns, the turnovers, the the mindset. As a passer, he's Jameis Winston, but he runs like he runs. Three MVPs. Sure. Jameis Winston running like Derrick Henry wins three MVPs. He's yeah, I mean, unstoppable. I, think he at this point. I, I find it hard yes. to believe that that would be the outcome though. Like Richardson yeah. is not that guy. So, you know, but you, but you see what I'm saying? Like I he do. just has to be, cause the last time Jameis was played for the bucks, he threw three touchdowns, 30 picks. Like he was perfectly yeah. average. Yeah. He has to be a replacement level quarterback passer. Right. Yes. And he'll be he'll be amazing. All right, number three on the list here, CJ Stroud out of Ohio State. Um, to me, he's the safest prospect on the board. He has the fewest red flags. Uh, whereas Bryce Young only has one, which is his size, but it's a it's a big one. Yeah. But it's just one. Stroud doesn't really have any. 6'3, 214 pounds, insanely productive in college as well. A production profile to match Bryce Young. Um, but we've got to throw to infinite. Number one, like top wide receiver talent, but still like great, great yeah. production profile. Unless he was playing Michigan, just great, great production profile for CJ Stroud. Even they threw 300 yards both games. Um, very accurate passer, career completion percentage around 70%. And while you can make excuses for somebody being under 60, being at 70 matters, right? So it does. Um, he is, I think he's the most naturally accurate passer in the draft. I don't think it's close. Yeah, like when you watched him throw at the combine, uh, 
it doesn't a lot of that stuff doesn't matter so much but but combine quarterback uh stuff is all about anticipation so because you're throwing to receivers you've never thrown to before you have to there's a lot of anticipation and a lot of like this is where he's kind of supposed to be you know so and he, and his so that's why some of the throwing sessions and all that stuff at the combine you don't really need to focus on the accuracy so much because there's nuance in you know how deep is this guy going to run this this out route my guy's run at 8 yards he ran at 10 so i left that one a little short you know what i mean so yeah. um but he's as nat- naturally accurate as there is i do think there are there are some flags in his game though that and i think this is where he's falling a little and there's no explanation for some of it oh i could think of one what is it uh the same reason justin fields dropped Ohio and lamar State jackson dropped no they don't they don't want to it's he's black oh see i wasn't going to go there but it's an interesting thought um when i watched the northwestern game from this year i saw a rattled quarterback who looked very unhappy and uncomfortable on his own sideline. And it was weird. Um, Sitting by himself, kind of isolated. When I watched the Michigan game from two years ago, I see the same type of stuff. When I watched the Michigan game from this year, I see the same kind of stuff. I almost think that there's an element of of him not necessarily – I'm not saying he's a front-runner type personality. But um, there's some stuff about him being a little bit difficult to coach. Uh, question, not, not from what you were talking about, but from the questioning play calling stuff. Thinking, thinking that he knows the offense more than, than the coordinator does. Counter argument. Shoot. The offensive game plan both years against Michigan was Suck. garbage for them. I agree. Was garbage for them. And they, in, that. In, in the first year, they could not adjust to Hutchinson and Ojabo at all. They refused to make any adjustments to that. Yeah. And then last year, I think their game plan was even worse. If I'm him, and I know my legacy is defined by my performance in that game, and I think my coaches aren't doing a good enough job, I'm going to get in their ass about it too. Like, I'm the star quarterback. Like, I, I, I like, you're, you're going to listen to me. pay for that come, come draft time because. You then get labeled as a little bit difficult to coach. Yeah, like right? you know, I'm like I'm like say Aaron Rodgers, who is famously not difficult at all. Yeah, no kidding. It's to me, it's nonsense in some ways, but I kind of understand a little bit of of what's being discussed because the him sitting alone on the on his bench is weird. It's a weird look. It was Jay Cutler like. Like, you remember Jay Cutler smoking cigarettes on the Bears' sideline at times? Like, yes, but we have... I'm not saying Cutler smoked cigarettes. I'm just, right, but we have but we have a ton of examples of Jay Cutler being super strange and weird and aloof on the field, off the field, since yeah. then, whatever. Yeah. What, I'm, what I'm saying is that if C.J. Stroud looked like Will Levis, he'd be an intense, fiery competitor that loves the game and you know is willing to make his voice heard or to get the results his team to win needs. football games, even if it meant falling down draft boards, which makes him go up draft boards. I'm with right. you 100. I understand what you're saying. Right. Totally. So I'm not saying you're saying the opposite. I'm just saying that this general what's in the in the ether about it. That's why yeah. I'm not putting any stock in it. Like I, 
All I'm trying to do is explain why I think there's a little bit of a fall happening for him. Um, and then the other component is this, is that the Ohio State offense doesn't require quarterbacks to read progressions as they're happening. They're going to the sidelines for those progressions pre-snap. Mm-hmm. So there's not a lot of post-snap stuff that happens. And I don't know totally why this is a thing. Um but teams really, we're going to get into this with Hendon Hooker too. Uh, teams really knock quarterbacks who don't, who, who like, I, I think NFL teams look at Ohio State quarterbacks and think it's super easy for them. And everything they're, they're doing is, is, you know, the way plays are drawn up and they don't have to do, they don't have to read progressions. It's not difficult. They just hang, they just stay back there, you know, behind their offensive line. They wait for days, you know. I'll I'll hang back here for five seconds because Marvin Harrison is going to become open, and mm-hmm. then I'll throw it to him, kind of stuff. And I think that's the perspective, the perspective, perspective, and perception of uh, some NFL people is that the Ohio State offense is too easy for quarterbacks, and therefore they will they they haven't really learned anything at their time there. You know, during during his his career at Ohio State, how much better did C.J. Stroud get? I, and the answer I, is is likely not very. I think he got much better. He could have. I'm just saying that that's what this is. What's out there is is the perspective of the Ohio State quarterback, whatever that means. Right, and so Ryan Day's three quarterbacks, right, are Dwayne Haskins, Justin Fields, and C.J. Stroud. All three are first round picks. All three were seen as malcontent one way or another, difficult to coach. Some of the field stuff came from his time at Georgia where, like, I don't know why anybody would listen to them. Uh, Dwayne Haskins did seem to be kind of difficult, but it was way, the way overblown. Stuff was nonsense. Like, it was yes. total nonsense. But they it was still out there. But it was still out there. And so what you I'm know, saying got, is that yeah. when, when Chad Chadson is coming out of Ohio State, I'm just not going to be shocked when, like, we don't hear this, right? <laughs> right. I just, I'm very, I'm very skeptical. Like I did not think Dwayne Haskins was going to be a good NFL quarterback, but it was nothing to do with his personality. Even though, like it was clear he could be a little bit difficult. RIP, by the way. Um, uh, Justin Fields. I was like, this is all nonsense. Like this guy's like a, like only because Trevor Lawrence is in this class is a reason he shouldn't be first overall. Like I've been on fields forever. And then CJ Stroud, it's the same thing. Like this guy, like even even if he does get pissy when he's losing, I bet Russell Wilson isn't a charm to be around when they're losing either. Like this yeah. is not. The, the, but it, it's more challenging authority in a negative way. It's not challenging authority in a positive way. That's all. I would I would contend that CJ Stroud was a better college quarterback than Ryan Day as a college head coach. And so he should have challenged his authority the same way that Aaron Rodgers should challenge Matt LaFleur and tell him that, no, we're not kicking that field goal in the playoffs. Like, I think, I think that competence at your job and importance of your job dictates who gets to be in charge in certain situations. And I think it's okay for CJ Stroud to tell Ryan day, he needs to do better because CJ Stroud is better at his job than Ryan day is at his. That may be the case, but we're talking about the NFL and you know how this goes. You just, you know how it goes. There's there's a uh, there's a direct line of these are the people that you can challenge for authority and these are the people you can't, and if you do it and you do it the wrong way, it's not great. Right. 
Well, see, I'm, I, I'm all saying, this could be total bullshit. Like, I mean, I'm just telling you what's being talked about. Right. But the fact that it's being talked about means that it matters. Right. It didn't matter for Justin Fields on the field. He's going to be fine. But it did push him down to 11 when he should have gone second. Right. So it does. It does matter. And then it matters for CJ Stroud, who, despite the fact that he played for Ohio State, I don't want to see somebody not get paid what they should be paid or like get the draft spot they should get because of what I think is nonsense like this. Even if it's not inaccurate, even if he is difficult, even if he does talk back to coaches or whatever, like, you know, if coaches aren't having a good game, I don't mind the star quarterback being like, hey, y'all got to step your game up now. Like, yes, there's just a way to, there's a good way to do it and a positive way to do it. And maybe a not so positive way to do it. I mean, going to the athletic director and challenging the athletic director to fire. I should not have said that. Is, is this is this is this is this one of the rumors floating around? That he no, to go it's some... not a rumor floating around. But but there is there is a there's a, a little bit of a. Um, I think it was the second Michigan game. He's sitting on the end of the bench talking to the athletic director. And you could, and it's just you could tell it's uh, it's just weird. It's a weird look. I don't know what the athletic director is doing there. Um, I, you know, I to me, I if you're taking C.J. Stroud at first overall in this class, I don't know that it it's really. I don't think there's any issues doing that. I don't think there's any problems doing that. He's a really good player. Period. He yeah. just is. Yeah. But there's this. There, you know, I think he may fall a little bit. Like. I could see him falling to say seven, six, whatever. I mean, you know, as crazy as it sounds, Lions fans are going to lose their minds if the Lions sit at pick six and take CJ Stroud. Uh, yeah, I'm going to lose my mind positively. I'm going to be exceedingly happy if they did take him. Yes. Okay. I don't think the Lions would do that. I think they already have what they view as CJ Stroud. I mean, that's kind of the comp for Stroud is a is a bit like golf. No way. Stroud's yeah. got a much, much better, longer, consistent deep ball. Whatever. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just saying that's that's kind of that's kind of. And either way, you get Stroud on a rookie contract. So even if they're the, the exact same, you want the guy on the rookie contract for the next few years, anyways. So uh, even if they were the exact same, if they yes. were the exact same, you'd still take Stroud for the ball. You should. Uh, you should. Ice man and coach. Uh, Ice man, what's up? Uh, Good to see you as well. We will see you on Thursday here for the live stream for the draft. If you're listening on audio, thank you very much. The draft show will be video only, I believe. I'll have to run that through Maddie Ice, but I think it might be video only, so be sure to click the link for the YouTube. It's in the show notes, no matter where you're listening, so you can find us uh, for Thursday night for the live stream on the draft. Okay, Scott, um, real quick, I'm going to skip over number four and go to number five. Hendon Hooker from Tennessee tore his ACL against Alabama is 29 years old <laughs> and didn't break out till he was 24. Yeah. So I don't have a ton to say. There's not, there's not, there really is not a ton. I mean, worth even talking about. Except he's a very good prospect. He's, he's a dual threat, all that stuff. Good size. The Tennessee offense is bizarre. Um, you can anybody can go watch. Just go watch a game. You can see you can see Tennessee off, offense at times. You have like four wide receivers, two on each side. It's a balanced look. But the two receivers at the top of the screen don't run their routes. They just walk for three or four steps. 
And then the two on the bottom of the screen, they run these choice, whatever you want to call them, choice routes yeah. deep down the field. So that offense is absolutely not a thing, period, at the NFL level. It's not a thing. And in my mind, I'm trying to wrap my head around, has it been good for him to read what's – because everything's about reading and reacting to what the players are doing. And he's obviously very productive. Um, he must have some sense of an understanding of what the defense is trying to do on that half of the field. And he has to have some understanding of leverage where the receivers are running to and where to put the ball. So I don't think it's a total, I, th- I don't think you can totally crush him for that offense, but it is definitely not an, an offense that has forced him to grow as a player and to, to, you know, read progressions and all these things. There's just a lot going on there. But if I'm of the mind that if you have an, a, a below average starter, which a lot of teams do, you really need to address the quarterback position. And I almost don't care how you do it. If you want <laughs> to think- take Hooker at 18 because you because you have Jared Goff and you think Hooker might give you four years of production, you know, obviously this year is going to be a bit of a redshirt year and allow you to move on from Goff, please. If that's what it is, or if it's you know you have Jimmy Garoppolo in Vegas for a couple for two years, and Hooker challenges him in year two, and then allows you to go bye bye with with Garoppolo. Fine, that makes a lot of sense. Yes. So and it's I, like you know, I think somebody's going to trade up to the back end of round one to take him so they can get the fifth year option on him. So that's why I wanted to bring him up. And I don't think he's worth the first round pick, but I think he's going to be a first round pick if somebody trades back into the first to yeah. get them so they have the fifth-year option, which is what the Ravens did with Lamar, and yeah. now they're screwing it up. But it's the same the same thing. Um, I could see the Bucks doing something like this yeah, because they're, they're taking for Caleb anyways. So the next year they can have Caleb and Hooker sort of competing with each other. Like I could see something like that. Um, but I wanted to skip down to him so I have time to talk about Will Levis, number four quarterback on my list, 6'4", 229. So – I'm just going to read my sentence here. I'm going to let you talk, okay? This is my note on Will Levis. Will Levis sucks and is going to be a bust, but for some reason, NFL types love this guy. Why? Um, He is big. He has a cannon. He is very tough. He played through a lot of injuries. This is the funniest thing I've heard. Uh, in the last week or so is that he was able to string together like 12 word plays and it was able to do it. And I'm like, okay. So I coach uh, offensive line at the high school level in the little city we live in. Right. Mm-hmm. And I work with our offensive coordinator and all those stuff. We have like eight, nine, 10 word play calls for a high school quarterback. Right. A lot of his, a lot of it is not necessarily doesn't mean all that much for the quarterback, but the idea that it's a positive, Alex, thank you. It, it's the idea that it's a positive that this guy can memorize 12 words and then understand what the, what that means after playing four years, like two years at Penn State as a backup and then two years at Kentucky. Like, come on, that shouldn't be viewed as a positive. Um, I think in the end, it's, it's a big-armed quarterback who was super tough and played through a bunch of stuff his film, the game, his 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 game was significantly better in 2021 than it was in 2022. 
He got Wandale Robinson drafted early. Um, I just think that, you know, when you look at him, some of the decision-making, especially under pressure, it's just baffling. Uh, I, you know, this, I, I told our our little group uh, a few months ago that I thought he would be in, in, you know, in contention to be the first pick, you know, why? I mean, it's like, you know, especially with some of the teams. Now this is, I don't, I don't mean this negatively in a, in a, I kind of do, but in like the idea that Houston and Indianapolis were two of the teams looking for quarterback in the top four of this draft told me that this particular guy was going to be the quarterback for both Houston and Tennessee, if you know what I'm saying. And that's why I thought he could be potentially quarterback one in this class when I considered how small Bryce Young was. So I don't have a great answer for your question. (laughs) Yes. Let me, let me go over the downsides to Will Levis. He's old. Don't have enough time. That's true. Uh, he's old. Um, he could not beat out Sean Clifford for the Penn State job, which Sean Clifford is not terrible. But if you want to be a top five NFL pick, you should probably beat out Sean Clifford for your college job and not be forced to transfer to Kentucky of all places. This past year, he only put up stats in the non-conference games and like Vanderbilt or whatever. Didn't yeah. do anything against the good teams that they were playing. Um, he is definitely big and strong with a cannon for an arm, but I have not seen anything to indicate that he is not tall Drew Locke, except for the fact that he does not have Drew Locke's production profile from college. I do not understand what all the hype is about with this guy, and I hope the Lions don't go anywhere near him. I don't totally get it either. Um, I know that teams view him as a toolsy player. I uh, don't totally understand what tools he means in context of Will Levis other than uh, Jim Drunkenmiller. Uh, <laughs> so, to evil to hope says, who is the comp for Levis? Scott says Jim Drunkenmiller. I say Jake Locker. I think Locker was a much better athlete than Levis. Oh, well, never mind that. Yeah. Jake Locker's yeah. too good to be Will Levis. Yeah, like, <laughs> I mean, to me, Levis has a huge arm. And, you know, I mean, any, any played through, through some injuries uh, in his senior season, I don't, I think it was a mistake for him not to go to the senior bowl. Uh, in the end, it may be fine for him if he goes pick two, which I don't think he will. I think, I think Houston's going to pass on him. And then I think, I think at, at that point it becomes a, uh, a blinking game between Indy. Do we take this guy? And if they don't take him, I think he falls a little bit. Like I could see Houston taking him at 12. If, if he gets past Indy at four, um, this is going to be a wild draft. I I don't like Levis's game as much as others do, but like, uh, oh boy, <laughs> Matty Ice <laughs> says, what would piss Dave off more? Lions taking Levis or B. John Robinson? Dave, I know you love taking running backs around one. Well, but B. John's funny. an elite player. There's a difference. I would not be upset with either of them at eighteen. I'd be more upset with Bijan at 18 because I don't think you could value the running back at 18. Levis at 18, it's like, well, okay, like at this point, we can we need a quarterback. We can see what we got. We have two first round picks, something like that. At six, if the Lions take Levis or Bijan Robinson at six, 
I am becoming a fan of whatever team Lamar Jackson signs with, as long as it's not the Packers. I think Bijan at six is fine. It's not. It's not efficient. Um, I don't. It's I don't terrible. necessarily want. Huh? It's terrible. Okay. It's terrible. No, no, no team serious about winning would take Bijan Robinson that high. They would trade what down if, if somebody else wanted Eagles, him. What if the Philadelphia Eagles right now are doing their best to trade up to in front of Atlanta to take Bijan? Well, it's been a while since they picked Jalen Rager, and that was a huge mistake. So maybe they're due for another one. Yeah, but they wouldn't. They they wouldn't like. There's the any team that would consider taking Bijan at six would trade down to somebody else who wouldn't also be concerned to do that, right? Like, because no, but I think what what there's what the perspective is is that Bijan's floor in this draft is Atlanta at eight. So if you want Bijan, you have to jump in front of pick eight. For Bijan and Philly, Philly's perspective is we need we need production from rookie deals, right? So you take running back so and so in the fourth round and get eighty percent of it, which is what they're going to do. Like if the team wants to, no no team will. If Atlanta wants Bijan at eight, they're going to get Bijan at eight. Nobody will move up in front of them for him, we'll like see. or no, and certainly no like well run organization will. But that as as a Lions fan holding the six pick, um. Uh, I love this because it gives the Lions a trade down opportunity. However, given the way this draft is sort of looking, I think I'll like whoever the Lions can pick from at six. I don't want them to move. I want them to take Stroud or Jalen Carter or Tyree Wilson. I'd rather well, them sort of stay there. So. so that's the other component of it is, is if Philly is trying to come to six, they'd be coming for Bijan or Jalen Carter. And if they if they take Carter and then you now have picked 10 and whatever else they give you, are you going to be pissed about that? That you you had a chance at Jalen Carter and passed, and a team like Philly came up for him. Yeah. What what is the narrative there? What, what how would you feel about that? I think the Eagles are coming up, and I think they're actually going to swap with Atlanta because I think Carter goes to Chicago at nine if he's there. I think the Eagles will come up to eight to take um, Carter, and Atlanta knows they can trade down and still get Bijan at ten. They wouldn't even trade again to like thirteen as long as they stay in front of the Commanders. The Commanders is the real like, floor for Bijan. What are you feeling about the Lions passing on Carter and the Eagles jumping up for it, trading up for him? What would you think? Uh, oh, man, it's rough. Hear this? <laughs> if if they did it, if they did it for Tyree Wilson or a quarterback, I could be down with it. If they take Devin Witherspoon over Jalen Carter, I don't think I'd be happy. So I think Tyree Wilson. I would pen, I would put it in pen right now that he is the picket too. Breaking really. You. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, you could you could have told me this when I was in Maryland. I could bet this. I'm in Virginia right now. I, I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna uh, be part of this gambling shenanigans for you, sir. <laughs> I do. I no. I do think that. I do think the Levis. The Levis. I do think the uh, Wilson at two is much more likely to happen than anything else at pick two. Well, you hear um, it here first, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we say Bijan is like the fifth best running back. Um, fifth best, like, where? What, like, like once he enters the league, yes, I think he might be like the fifth best running back in the league when he walks in. Um, just real off the top of my head, I would take, I would take Jonathan Taylor, McCaffrey for for this year, just this year. I would take McCaffrey. I would take JT. Keep going. 
There's not a lot more. If I knew Brees Hall would be ready to start the season, I would take Tony Pollard. Eckler. And that might be it. He might be five. Okay. This year. Pretty good. But, but if I could pick any running back to have in the league, I would take Jonathan Taylor first because we've seen it and Bijan yeah. second, like going yeah. forward. Yeah. Um, I don't think uh, – what I wouldn't take Saquon over Bijan this year. I would not either. But it's close. Saquon's like number six. Yeah. <laughs> He's Nick Chubb. Like they're, they're like right there. Yeah. But I would take Bijan over them. Yeah, but that just speaks to his value as a player. Like that's how good he yeah. is. Yes. But that doesn't mean he's valuable in winning the Super Bowl because none of the players I listed have won one yet. Because running backs don't matter. Good way to end the show. It is. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Scott, thanks for hanging out here a little bit longer so we can get through these uh, these quarterbacks. I appreciate it. Um, All good. So we will be back on Thursday night, 7.45 p.m. for the live show during the, sh- the live stream during the draft. So what you do... You put ESPN or NFL Network on in the background on mute. You turn us on. You listen to us talk about the picks. You know we're going to have the real analysis, the real takes. We're not going to be blowing smoke, you know, for everybody who gets drafted. Not everybody's going to the Pro Bowl. We'll tell you who's a good pick, who's a bad pick, and there's going to be trades. Remember last year, A.J. Brown got traded. Hollywood Brown got traded. Um, People not named Brown got traded. There were trades all over the place last year. We're going to have it again this year. And so I'm super excited for this Um, here, 7.45 p.m. this coming Thursday. Scott, do you have any final words? Uh, Other than saying I will do my best to pop in multiple times if I can, if that's okay with you guys, Um, depending on what's happening, Yep. uh, no final words. Thanks for having me. Yep, having you. You are one of the co-hosts. Well, you know. (laughs) I'm I'm good with it. All right. We'll see everybody next week. Peace.